Hey, have you heard the Virginia Lottery has a new Willy Wonka Golden Ticket Scratcher that has a top prize of $100,000? Tell that to my automated Golden Ticket Scratcher apparatus. You simply put the ticket in here, and the machine scratches it for you. And while we wait, we can play the Willy Wonka Golden Ticket online game with a top prize of $1 million. Just visit VALottery.com or use the lottery app. That's one impressive scratcher apparatus. Use it whenever. What's mine is yours. But hands off the scratcher. That Willy Wonka Golden Ticket is all mine. Sofas, recliners, love seats, everything is better in leather. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley, where bold meets durable. And wait a minute, who's been finger painting on the couch again? That's okay, leather is easy to clean. The new leather collection at Ashley is built with the durability you need for the whole family. Yes, pets too. Luxury is meant to be livable. Shop chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Oh, yeah! oh, and I'm burping so much because my lungs are putting the air into the wrong place. They're putting all the air into my stomach. Mm-hmm. And that's how we're going to begin. <laughs> I think that that's uh, important for the audience to know that um, Marcus does have four stomachs like a cow. Absolutely. <laughs> Technically, I think it's on you. You're the CEO of your body. You've got to yeah. send a memo to your lungs. Tell them to stop putting air in the wrong spots. You're burping up here. Well, ever since the fucking long COVID strike, things have never gotten back on track. Now I, I got to start. But I got answers. God damn name. you, mitochondria. <laughs> it's um, the mitochondria. Now today's uh, episode, today's episode uh, is way much because the last time I had a bath disaster was when um, I sharded, <laughs> thinking it was uh-huh. a fart. Um, mm. And that's just the sum of just a snippet of some of the incredible <laughs> content that you're going to get today. Really fantastic! Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. Ben hanging out with the newly burpy, but also understanding why so burpy, Marcus, mm-hmm. and of course the sharp man himself, Henry Zabrowski. Bass, sharp man, sharp man. Bass, not something you often hear three men talk about. But today we're going to talk about. The Bath School Massacre. Isn't that exciting? I also want to put a little caveat. If by any chance there's some horrible news that takes place Mm. between now and when this episode airs, we didn't know. We didn't know. I'm sorry that every fucking horrible thing happens every single week in this country. Today we are covering the Bath School Massacre. Leave us alone. Stop committing acts of violence. At least this one's old. And I, at least, Marcus, you changed it to the Bath School Massacre. Mm-hmm. And not like, because people keep calling it. Every source I looked it up when I was researching called it the Bath School Disaster. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, no. It's not dropping the wedding cake. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's 50 dead children. Okay. Again, let's get into this historical piece of American present. So the Bath School Massacre was a school bombing perpetrated in 1925 by a man named Andrew Kehoe in the small town of Bath, Michigan. It still to this day holds the record as the deadliest school massacre in American history. Kobe! (laughs) Kehoe managed to... Jesus Christ. Kehoe managed to murder 42 people, including 35 children, in a matter of hours by blowing up a school firebombing his own ranch, 
and turning his truck into an IED. Jeez. This marks the Bath School Massacre as one of, if not the first, modern-style American mass murder. And all it took was good old-fashioned American tax-based grievances. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Ingenuity in some ways. Brutal. Now, when I say modern style, I'm using the modifier to differentiate it from the dozens, if not hundreds of massacres that occurred previously in America, like Wounded Knee and Sand Creek, stuff that involved indigenous tribes. Similarly, it also differentiates Bath from massacres of civilians during the Civil War, like what transpired during Bleeding Kansas, or the racially motivated 1921 massacre in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oh, yeah, that was when they blew up Black Wall Street, right? Yep. By also, I, I do think that they could probably bleeding knee. It's a bit of a G-rated term for what took place. <laughs> wounded, well, knee. Wounded, wounded knee. Wounded, wounded knee. knee. Wounded knee. <laughs> Wo- it's even worse. They didn't <laughs> just say it was bloody. Bruised kneecap. It was a brutal massacre. They're like, it's kind of like when you skin your elbow. No, wounded knee is what it was called before the massacre. It was just like it would be like calling it the Chicago massacre. Wounded knee. That was just what the place was called. Well, they should have renamed it. <laughs> Great knees. <laughs> By contrast, the Bath School disaster, the Bath School massacre, see, almost a disaster. The Bath yeah. School massacre was perpetrated by a true lone wolf without any sort of outside influence, no help whatsoever, and no real point. Hmm. Nor was this a spur of the moment crime. It was meticulously planned and executed over a series of months by a single man as an outlet for his ridiculously elevated frustrations. It is hard to say if there is a greater, more powerful force in the universe other than nefarious patience. Mm-hmm. Because that's what this entire story is about, is that you can prepare. And I do like this is not one of those like trying to make you too scared moments. But it's just the truth is that you can prepare for many things, but it's very difficult to prepare against a motivated person that is unendingly patient in his uh, his ability and his if he's in his goal for vengeance. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. This is why I only hang out with people with ADHD at all times in different ways. You both have it in certain ways. I can see it in your eyes. People who have patience. (laughs) You just see my eyeballs. I thought that was maybe the four espressos I had today to feel like a normal person. Absolutely. Absolutely. People with patience, they're just waiting for mm-hmm. you to fall asleep. And to the point of frustration, the prime motivator behind this catastrophic event is so incredibly mundane that it boggles the mind. Mm-hmm. Andrew Kehoe, the perpetrator, wasn't standing up for a political belief or an ideology like Timothy McVeigh or Ted Kaczynski, nor was he mentally ill like so many of America's modern mass murderers. He wasn't mentally well. like it's not like he was crushing it no he wasn't crushing it but put simply andrew kehoe was quite possibly the biggest asshole of the 20th century close i mean he's one of them he's he's in the top i would put him top 10 because you still got you got hitler Winston, right. what about Winston Churchill? He was mean. <laughs> I know everyone got mad at him now. They're all mad at him now, but not back when he was fucking digging their butts out of the trenches in WW2. He was taking naps at 3 p.m. Well, I'm talking petty asshole. Mm. I mean, because that's the calling Hitler an asshole is it's a little small. It's like, not quite big enough. Like this mm. is just this is the biggest local asshole of the gotcha. 20th century. Let's put it that way. 
His motivation for blowing up a school with an explosion that could have killed more than 250 people, this was in opposition to a yearly tax to pay for the school he blew up. Yeah, it's because he didn't have kids. Yeah, and he was well, real mad that he had to pay for a school that he didn't have kids to go to. Uh, Can't you see that, Marcus? Well, don't I you just, understand this? I don't think he's thinking about the greater whole because if the kids aren't in school because he just recently blew it up, now they're in his yard. So it's actually best to have them in a school where they get an education and maybe they could like become plumbers or something. I don't know if he really understands how taxes work because it's going to be really expensive to rebuild the school he built up. He, up. he wasn't planning to see the oh, rebuild. Yeah. And uh, he only, this is like a raise in like, it was something like $15 a month. It was, it was $150 a year, but we'll get into the cost yeah. later on. Now, of course, it is a little more complicated than just being pissed off over a new tax, but mm. not by much. As it was quoted in Harold Schechter's book, The Bath School Disaster and the Birth of the Modern Mass Killer, Andrew Kehoe was what you'd call a collector of injustice. Yeah, I have found that my, my collection has been getting pretty large, so I do need to start... <laughs> I need to start putting them. I need to start selling these off yes. like in a yard sale. <laughs> yeah, put some on yeah. Etsy, would you? Yeah. Well, these collectors indiscriminately kill in public after long deliberation, prepared with a powerful arsenal, but no real escape plan. They're paranoid, driven by strong feelings of anger and resentment, and their eternally wounded narcissism is nurtured by a retreat into a fantasy life of violence and revenge that eventually becomes reality. Now, our main source today is The Bath School Disaster and the Birth of the Modern Mass Killer by the patron saint of American true crime, Harold Schechter, who yeah. produced an incredible read here, as he always does. He, I'm like, I, I, yeah, I know he's, a, he's like a friend, too. But when it comes down to it, there is truly no one better no. in the world of true crime because he also yep. sets all of the context in a way that are like, because when I'm reading it, like you go through it and you're like, it's like, why are we here? Why are we talking about like dog bowls? But then he wraps it all the way around. He's very good. Well, yeah. absolutely. That's the Marcus Parks effect. That's what you've gleaned from Harold Schechter's amazing work. Focus on the innocuous, make the mind bored, and then boom, look at all these dead children. All of a sudden, you got you true crime up inside of you. Yeah, yeah you didn't yeah. know. Did you read Schechter's book in the voice that you do of Harold Schechter? Mom. <laughs> That's no, the birth, yeah. birth of the modern mass killer. But he knows. He knows. He, knows. he likes he knows. it now. <laughs> but if you're more in the mood for a compilation of old school American true crime steeped in fascinating history, especially if you want to cleanse your palate from the recent overexposure of the American serial killer, check out Harold's newest book, Butcher's Work, which covers four incredible stories of lesser-known historical true crime events. And you're going to love the foreword by Guy Fieri. The way that he breaks down what these butchers did, absolutely out of bounds. Out of, out of bounds. bounds. That's where, where there are bounds. That's but some descriptions, they are yeah. outside of them. So without further ado, let's get into the Bath School Massacre, starting with its perpetrator, Andrew Kehoe. Now, Kehoe was the son of an Irish immigrant named Philip who was a prime example of an immigrant success story, but he also fathered a truly Catholic amount of children, mm. three boys and six girls, 
two of which became nuns. Yeah, dude. That's Dang. like you get a gold in the Catholic children Olympics. Also, you Marcus, can, if you're slinging that much juice, man, and two of them are nuns, that's I think fucking you guys, crazy. I, I think you guys both are mispronouncing the word lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did that bit. That's my mm. bit. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it. in Wolf of Wall Street. That's right. Yeah, you oh, remember? No kidding. 2012. Yeah. Remember that sea otter? <laughs> I remember when you were a sea otter. I do too. I fucking do too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know you do. It's over. How often do you remember it? I mean, the thing is that if I could get paid money for gifts, I would be a multi-multi-millionaire. It'd be great. But you don't. It'd be great. Kehoe, however, was the first of those three boys, born after the six girls on February 1st, 1872. While little is known about his early life, what we do know is that he showed an early aptitude for tinkering, working with electrical devices on the family farm. Yeah, because this was the golden age of electricity, which yeah. is kind of fun because it's like you had like electricity wars. I love that. Like one day we'll get to that. I don't know if that's boring. If, I don't if know that, if we need to get AC excited. versus DC, Edison versus Tesla. I don't Let's, think. I mean, I yeah, think he Tesla's killed cool. an elephant. He Tesla's killed an cool. elephant. Tesla's he did kill cool. that elephant. I don't yes, know. I, it might be a little out of bounds for us. Whoa, Ooh. that's gangster. Uh, my question is, is that do you think that anything of this has to do, because his father was very, very old when he had him. Do you think mm. that's got anything to do with the old cum? <laughs> like, I've, been told, I've been told that the male ejaculate stays young forever. Wow. Mm. Because it, we constantly remake it all the time. Cool. So there you go. Mm-hmm. That's what my balls are doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, these electric-powered contraptions were Kehoe's main companions because the few people who knew Kehoe in his youth described him as an unsociable, isolated loner. The only real socializing in Kehoe's life came in the form of communal gatherings known as farmers' clubs. Uh-oh. This is kind of fun. Yeah. Formed as a way to bring isolated farmers together in a time when the country's population was more rural than urban, farmers' clubs were made up of anywhere between 20 and 25 families who would all gather once a month for meals, music recitals, and sketch comedy performances. Yay! Everybody's favorite. You show up for dinner and then, oh good, there's comedy? (laughs) That's great. Oh, I love this performance by Michael Ian Black. I love being a farmer. Dude, do you remember that I I remember one time Murderfist got asked to do a show in a Chinese restaurant and we did this is an LA thing and then I came out and I was nude. We did boardroom, a boardroom ah, sketch. Nothing always in a restaurant. Sitting, the look of people's Who ordered like, the dumplings? Me, just, <laughs> just like me frogman bodied with my fucking dick and balls like in my hands as people are eating stuff, man. They were not happy. No one's great. I love that fun farmer's experience. We did it to silence. But the funny thing is, Henry, is that you're talking about that as if someone forced you to go out there naked. Oh, no, we were booked. No, no, no. (laughs) No, We were excited. We were like, this is going to be 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 fair, Marcus. If you're booked, you're forced. I know. Well, I know you're booked, but didn't Murder Fist have 12 hours of sketch material to choose from? We were trying to entertain these people. (laughs) Yeah, well, true, true. Well, as it went, these comedy sketches at the farmers' clubs were the one thing that could bring future mass murderer Andrew Kehoe out of his shell. Cribbing routines from books like Dick's Diverting Dialogues, 
and <laughs> Martin's droll dialogues and laughable recitations. Nice. <laughs> Kehoe would take the stage month after month, acting out skits that mostly featured racial stereotypes of black people, Jewish people, and Irishmen. Times change, humor changes. Okay, what <laughs> yeah. is funny at one point, it does not hold as true later on. Here, check out this joke. Women want to vote. <laughs> what a what a farce! Um, but I also believe the reason why everyone said he was some shitty little kid and he was loner and he was, he was a loner and he was cold. And I do think that when he was performing at these farmers clubs, it was it it served his own purposes. You know what I mean? What purposes? It make allowed him, him make it's there's something about he had this idea that he was this perfect child or his father probably raised him up. Like, I do think in some way, socially, this is how sociopaths read rooms, right? Like, they they understand that certain things are like, you do this to be cool. Yeah. Like, this is what you oh, do yeah, to appear to be a normal yeah, person. Yeah, you do that to be cool. Everyone's but always like, thought that. But you be entertaining <laughs> to be like, no, I'm normal. I'm a normal person. Yeah. And I know you've done more research than I, but I will say this. I'll push back just ever so. Catholic dads, not exactly uplifting. Yeah. No, for the most part, the Catholic religion is brutal to children. Very doubt. Sometimes they are. If you've got the Irish Catholic dad, though, he could be quite full of mirth and merriment. Yeah, okay. once he's got the once he's got the wine in him. All <laughs> right. Well, let's go through. Let's let's just give an example of one of the non-racist routines that Andrew Kehoe did. In this one, two men named Bones and Johnson Ooh. share a humorous dialogue. Ben. Yes. Would you please play the part of Bones? Yes. Do and I have any direction at all? Your direction is that you're, you're a not, man who has a question yes. to ask. You have made a question and you're not you, in blackface. And you're not, okay. Remember, <laughs> you're not, you're not right. in blackface. You are asking a question and then you are expecting a reply. Well, that's, and then you shall say more words. To that reply. That's good because now I know what to go with McLaughlin. McLaughlin and group question. It's an old PBS show. All right. So bo your bones, your bones, I'm Henry, bones. you're Johnson. I'm Johnson. You're Johnson. Johnson. Okay, here we go. Have you ever heard who was the oldest woman? No, I have not, but I suppose Eve was no spring chicken when she died. Very likely not, but she wasn't <laughs> the oldest woman for all that. Indeed. Who do you say was older? Well, the oldest woman that I ever heard of was Antiquity. E Kissel, it is really not beyond what you do now. That is truly Antiquity. Like you could have written that yourself. Antiquity. Her last name was Tiquity. Her first name is Anne. Well, that's and she's great. the oldest woman that he ever heard of, Bones. It's to a be honest with pretty you, man, big if, deal. It's a pretty big uh, deal. It is a pretty big <laughs> deal. And if I'm hanging out at this farmer's meeting, this farmer's party, this might be a good way to romance a gal. She's laughing. You're laughing. Next thing you know, you give a roll in the hay. It's possible. It's, it's possible. possible. Comedy brings people together or violently divides them. Mm. <laughs> Now, shortly after Andrew's mother died when he was 18, Andrew's father took another wife. Number three, because Philip's Ooh. first wife had also died. And it's a fairly common occurrence. It's not like he's killing wives. This just yeah. happened. Wives drop like flies back They then. just get sick. They get caught in threshing machines. They, they get fucking <laughs> yeah. hit by carriages. It's, it's well, that, difficult to be a wife. That's why it was all a farce. This whole, yeah. oh, till death do us part in the marriage thing. 
because they knew it could happen in five months. Mm. Nowadays, we live so long. It's quite, quite in an, it's, 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 it's long. <laughs> <laughs> well, after his father remarried, though, Andrew left home, although there's not a clear record of what he did for the next eight years. Pretty much what we know is that in 1900, a census record showed that Kehoe lived in a boarding house in Ann Arbor, Michigan, where he worked as a dairyman. Although I don't really know what a dairyman is. You fluff the udders. Yeah, you want <laughs> so to fluff the have more. It makes them yeah. give more milk. Yeah. Absolutely. Basically, any single thing that you see, you have to attempt to milk and find out if there's milk in it. I mean, he was probably the one that found the teat on the almond. And was the first one to suck a little milk out of one of those. He's making no sense. Well, Kehoe also spent time in St. Louis working as an electrician for a city park, which, of course, greatly increased his knowledge of electrical wiring. Hmm. But it's in St. Louis that we see one of the old mass murderer cliches rear its ugly head once again. Where before, Andrew Kehoe seemed to be a harmless loner who liked tinkering with electronics and enjoyed performing comedy sketches now and then. <laughs> he changed when he suffered a serious head injury that left him semi-conscious for two months. It's Uh-oh. really interesting how so many of these sources, I mean, Harold does, he says it more so, but the other ones, they don't equate that as to like being the thing that really probably made his impulse control truly unhinged. Because could we hmm. now know in like hindsight how often like these types of like weird, what seem to be crazy, over the top murder scenarios come yeah. from head injuries. I think the, well, the brain has a lot to do with it, doesn't it? Well, there was nothing wrong with Andrew Kehoe's impulse control. In fact, he probably had no. the most impulse control out of the anyone opposite. we've ever covered. It's kind of the problem. I think all it is, what it did, is that it just disconnected him from empathy. His mm. empathy just completely and totally died, and it happens yeah. again and again. That's what I use Starbucks for. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Well, after that head injury, Kehoe moved back in with his father and stepmother. She'd just given birth to a child of her own named Irene. Shortly after Andrew returned, he inexplicably killed Irene's cat. And Hmm. things only got worse from there, or so the rumors say. Hold on a second. I'm not uh, not doing any victim blaming here, but they give an infant a cat? No, well, the girl was, he'd been gone for eight years. She'd okay, given birth so she to was child ready the, to have a cat. Yeah, yeah she was, she was ready to have a cat. Yeah. Okay, because yeah, otherwise this infant's not going to be able to take care of Also, cat. pets were different then. You didn't have to do all these things. Pet, the pets came in and out. And you, you know what? I'm going to say, though, I think the cat has lived a, a, a lifestyle the same since the Victorian Pretty era. much. There's yeah. a new cat. There's a cat at my place. I named it Meowbert, and it just hangs out. It's <laughs> a cat. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's an outside cat. It's just yeah. a farmhouse. And this is a farm cat. You see a a farm cat like three times a week. Now, as we established, one of Kehoe's implements of death was fire. (gasps) Although simply lighting a match didn't seem to give him the same charge as creating a chain of events. He had to seem smart when he did it. See, at the turn of the 20th century, gas stoves were new appliances and were therefore extremely dangerous. Well, there's something about them hitting the because they used to call them gasoline stoves. Yeah. And is there something about it being a gasoline stove? Like, you remember Dr. Gasoline, your wrestling yeah. gasoline? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dr. Gasoline. Dr. Gasoline. Yeah, my but, wrestling alter ego. Mm-hmm. But there seems to be something, like, more sinister. Because it's also, it's funny, because when, when Schechter lays out all the, like, the most nefarious invention in all mankind. Like, as soon as the <laughs> gasoline <laughs> stove came out, a bunch of people died. Yeah. Jeez. Jeez. Between April and July of 1895, in Chicago alone, 
11 people were killed when their gas stoves exploded. And these were 11 separate incidences. From Schechter's research, he was able to find such alarming newspaper headlines as Death from Gasoline Stove. Baby burned to death by Gasoline Stove. Interesting. And Gasoline Stove brings death and destruction. I'll take two. (laughs) <laughs> My God, but you should see the way it cooks a chicken parm. I think it's worth it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, there was one. I love this little advertisement. By using a gasoline stove, a working man's wife can rest in bed from one to two hours longer each morning. And then half an hour before <laughs> rising, have hot coffee and a warm breakfast for her husband without raising the temperature of the cook room one eighth of a degree. For wow. 10 cents, she can do the whole day's cooking. Isn't that absolutely fantastic? And that's the era of chivalry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as a public service, newspapers therefore printed precautions to keep people from blowing themselves up. Here's a couple of examples. Don't fill the tank when the burners are lit. (laughs) Don't light the burners after the pipes have leaked gas over everything. (laughs) I don't. But then again, if you're even thinking about doing either of those things, just do it. It's already done. But no, no, the final tip is the best one. Yeah. Don't try to operate the stove if you don't thoroughly understand it. (laughs) There we go. I mean, we still got labels on like hair dryers, like don't use in shower because (laughs) we are an impetuous group, Americans. Legal, Mm -hmm. legal. But from what it seems, Andrew Kehoe's stepmother, Frances, either didn't follow that last bit of advice or if you believe the rumors, she was set up to fail by her increasingly violent stepson. See, on September 17th, 1911, Francis put a match to the stove and the stove immediately exploded. That set Francis on fire from head to toe. Yeah, dude. Reportedly, Andrew rushed to the kitchen and stood over her, watching her burn in either shock or fascination before he finally fetched a pail of water. This, of course, was the wrong move or the right move for Kehoe if you believe the rumors that he was behind the explosion. Now, to be fair, he would not have known that you just want to put a little baking soda on there, or a little no. flour. I mean, no. she was no, literally that may have in, just been an accident. She was Maybe. engulfed in burning gasoline. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, it was it was done already. She yeah. was a screaming. It was the scene from Hereditary. Yeah, in that. Ooh man! When he doused his stepmother in water, it caused the burning oil to spread, and the flames quote liquefied what little skin she had left. Ooh. Yeah, dude. And then did you see the tale of when he goes to the neighbor? So he goes over and be like, hey, uh, you might want to call a doctor. And they're all like, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. And then he leaves as he turns around to leave and he comes back. He's like, actually, you also should call for a priest as yeah. well. Wow. And then walk back. And you're just like, it was real nonchalant. Well, yeah. it doesn't seem like he had an emotional connection with his dad's third wife. Perhaps. I think that's yeah. generous. Yeah. yeah. By the time emergency services arrived, Frances was, quote, little more than a blackened lump. Oh. She died in agony a few hours later, and her death certificate listed the cause of death as burn from a gasoline stove. Hmm, Just the, you know the, what? Scene, the scene that Schechter sets up with the father coming in because he's so old at this point that he has two canes. He comes in to see his, like, literal flaming wife, right? She Jeez. finally burns out. And they're so far from a hospital because they're out in the middle of fucking nowhere that they just, like, can you imagine that you just have to lift? They just have to lift her up mm-hmm. and flop her on a bed and just wait. And she's just sitting there going like, oh, Oh, my God. It's like the end of child's play when he comes back all burned. But she's not a doll. She's a woman. 
Yep. Now it was. <laughs> yes. Yep. Now it was assumed at the time that the death of Kehoe's stepmother was an accident. But after Kehoe murdered 45 people with bombs of his own making, mm. it was rumored, perhaps sensationally, as I'm doing right now, that Andrew had rigged the stove to explode while Frances was out gathering nuts with her daughter. <laughs> I think after you kill 45 children with self-made explosives, it's okay to maybe look at some of his previous life with a critical eye. <laughs> well, absolutely. Eye. It, it does sort of change the perspective a little bit. Stand-up comedian, for example, there's one very famous one who was recently incarcerated who's now out. Who's blind? You guys know who I'm talking about. There's oh, like yeah, a few our fight. He was, yeah, 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 yeah. Ghost Dad. Yeah, ghost dad. There's a few bits he did in the 70s involving drugs and mm -hmm. doing certain people things to, to women. Sleep and people and were yeah. like, oh, now that's good humor. Oh, but mm -hmm. then in hindsight, it just seemed like a confession. Yeah. Now, by this point in Andrew's life, he was actually much older than you'd think he'd be because most mass murderers tend to skew towards the younger side. See, you remember that, guys. Grandma Moses learned to paint when she was 70 years old. You could do whatever <laughs> you want. It's not too late. That's fantastic. Well, if I could compare Kehoe to anyone, I'd say he shared a lot in common with Stephen Paddock, who killed 60 concert goers and injured over 800 more in Las Vegas in 27 Ooh. when he was 64 years old. Yes. Fucking Stephen Paddock, man. Dude, and again, like a sphinx. Oh. We have no clue why he did it. How like it's still a mystery. Um, I think I with this case, I think a lot of Marvin Hemeyer, even though mm, Marvin Hemeyer yeah. from the Killdozer, Killdozer, our, our Killdozer guy. Right. Like, I, again, in a way that was so much more peaceful than explosives. Uh, yeah, but we also didn't know how we didn't really know how the killdozer was going to play out. Right. And also it was called the killdozers. <laughs> I mean, it was a pretty cool uh, name. It was pretty it was cool. Apt. It was yeah. pretty cool. We'll talk about it. You know. Man, Stephen, if we ever do that one, dude, I got some inside information from a bartender in Mandalay Bay. Scary day. Believe you it or not. Tell the them. police. <laughs> if you have inside information, you should call the police. Uh, they were. The, oh, the police was the police was there. The police were there. Their experience was freaking nuts. Well, what all three of these people share is patience. Absolutely. I mean, Stephen Paddock, when you look at the video of him patiently moving all of those weapons into that room, how much preparation went into that, how much scouting, how much planning. I mean, Andrew mm -hmm. Kehoe is much the same. And the killdozer guy, how long did it take him to build that killdozer? I think it I think it took a full year. Yeah. And then he would sleep there after oh, yeah. he built himself into it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it took a long time. From your grave. Have you started shopping for the holidays yet? Those crazy crowds at the mall are only going to get worse. Right now, you can shop early, skip the stress, and snag some of the best deals of the season on something everyone will love. Premium audio products from Raycon. Raycon's wireless earbuds, headphones, and speakers offer premium sound, useful features, an almost custom comfortable fit, and up to 54 hours of battery life. They're sleek, stylish, and they start at half the price of other premium audio brands. Whether it's for listening to music, taking work calls, or working out, everyone needs a pair of Raycons. I've loved my Raycons. I just used them on the flight to and from Europe. Best 10 hours of my life. Thanks, Raycon. Right now, go to buyraycon.com last to get 20% off site-wide. That's 20% off any Raycon product, which almost never happens. So don't miss your chance to save big while you shop stress-free. Or save even bigger and get 30% off Raycon's exclusive holiday bundles. That's buyraycon.com slash last for 20% off your Raycon purchase. Buyraycon.com slash last. 
Hey there, podcast listener. Have you ever been listening to Wizard and the Bruiser and thought to yourself, I wish I could see just how fat Jake and Holden are in real life? Don't lie. We know all about your weird inside thoughts, listeners. Well, now you can make that dream a reality because Wizbrew and Page 7 are going on tour. Austin, Dallas, Milwaukee, Chicago, Minneapolis, D.C., Philly, Brooklyn, San Francisco, L.A. Nowhere is safe from an all-new show we're calling Release the Butthole Cut. Ew. Come join your fellow LPN fans for a night of pop culture chaos that's fun for the whole family, assuming your family consists of equally broken weirdos in their 30s. It's going to be a blast. Tickets are on sale right now at lastpodcastnetwork.com. Go, go now. There's VIP meet and greet passes available as well in case you want to get, you know, a little extra close, uh, especially personal. I legally have to clarify that there is no sexual element involved. I mean, unless, you know. Okay, cheese chick. All right, stop winking. All right, buddy. It's page seven and Wizard and the Bruiser live. Go to lastpodcastnetwork.com for dates and tickets. Last podcast on the left is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all in one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Thanks, Squarespace. With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your own terms. Don't let anybody tell you what's new. This ain't your mama's website platform. It is, actually. It's actually be very easy for your mother to learn. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine. It's a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I thought it was just the name of what my blood pressure medication turned me into. I'm, I'm peeing. Now, my goals for the year are I have two warehouses Filled with horse picks. Now, I know a lot of people, uh, obviously this bit has been done, but the Zendaya centaur picks are not going anywhere. And I've been trying to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale line out. Uh, I need these moved, okay, because I have to move into the storage unit. Let's just say there are problems at home. So I need Squarespace to shoot this through the roof for me this year. And that's why I'm going to go full tilt. And not only are you going to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale entire series, clothes and non-clothes, what we also are going to offer, and I mean this, we're trying to get into draft rides. I brought this up the other day. We got to start riding other animals but horses. Take pictures of the horses. Photoshop the horses into other celebrities, but stop riding them. Save a horse. Ride a giraffe with Squarespace. Go head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com. But when Andrew Kehoe's stepmother died, he was 39. And just a year later, he married a so-called old maid, a 37-year-old named Ellen Agnes Price, called Nellie by those who knew her. And after the marriage, Andrew continued working his father's farm while Nellie did her best to help take care of Andrew's stepsister, Irene. But it's around the time of Andrew's marriage to Nellie that Kehoe's grievances towards society began to accumulate in the smallest of ways. And mm. those grievances usually had to do with either Kehoe's own selfishness or his own incompetence. You really can't put it more close to the fact that he was just a fucking prick. Yeah. And an absolute asshole. Right. 
See, a new church was being built in Andrew Kehoe's town, and to defray costs, donations were solicited from congregants like Kehoe, who was asked to contribute the hefty 1912 sum of $400. Ooh, that is, that's a lot of money. Like I mean, this grand. is, this is like the only one I, money. burn down the church, truly. <laughs> of all of his grievances, this is the only one I agree with, because you're like, he barely, he obviously was not a man of the church. Well, he went to church at the time. Yeah, because like, societally yeah, he, he had to. He like yeah. you had to put up appearances. Yeah, but he could have just said no. He could have even offered to donate less. He was that was probably what he was expected to. The priest is shooting for the moon. Ask for four hundred, get fifty. But instead, Kehoe shouted the priest asking for donations off his property. He threatened physical violence and never returned to church for the rest of his life. Every goddamn episode when we cover one of these horrible people, there's always a moment where I relate. It's the <laughs> only time. The, get off my lawn. Get off my Otherwise, lawn. Otherwise, get on my lawn for the most part. But unless you're a money-gouging priest, get off my lawn. Yeah, dude. If I could have seen him pull that priest up by the back of his pants and throw him out, Ooh. then again, if that's where this ended, you'd be like... Just he's cranky. Yeah, sure. Well, after that, the disappointments, which were all Kehoe's fault, came hard and fast. He bought eight steers from a neighbor and put them out to pasture. But because Andrew didn't know what he was doing, he turned them out on a field full of wet clover. Now, as anyone who's seen the second season of Yellowstone knows... Oh, just me, oh, my yeah. Uncle Ken... Um, <laughs> there's one guy at the at the at the gray the Greyhound bus station who Absolutely. was talking about it and he was just like, My kids won't answer the phone, but <laughs> Kevin Costner's a hell of a lead. That's I got right. curious when they started filming at the Four Sixes Ranch, which is like 30 minutes north from where I grew up. And you know what? I watched it and boy, did I get some insane memories and a slightest bit of PTSD when they showed that ranch because that just brought oh, yeah. me back home to that ugly, ugly land immediately. Okay. But from that second season, if you've seen it, you know that and our cows... audience has. <laughs> it's a fine show. There's it's a, a fine show. Insa- it's fairly popular. Yeah, no, it's, just it's, insane. it's just a bunch of insane violence. Yeah. But eating certain types of clover can be deadly to cattle because it causes a deceptively whimsical sounding disease called ruminal tympany. You've been talking about too many diseases, bro. That didn't sound whimsical at all, man. That sounded real sad. It sounds like <laughs> ruminal- a minute. It does sound like one of your noise albums. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, it, it does. It sounds like a, a George Montalban organ album. Mm-hmm. But it's also known as Frothy Bloat. Mm. See, now that's whimsical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd order a Frothy Bloat. Mm. But Andrew didn't know this, and two of his steers died of Frothy Bloat as a result but he still tried blaming the neighbor who sold him the steers, demanding half of his payment back. The neighbor, of course, refused, so Kehoe, convinced he'd been cheated because Kehoe always was convinced that he'd been cheated, he stopped speaking to the neighbor altogether. He's a hardliner. I guess so. Now, in 1917, 10 years before the massacre, Nellie's uncle died and left behind an 80-acre farm in Bath, Michigan, where Kehoe would commit his unforgivable crimes. But Nellie and Andrew didn't inherit the property. Instead, they had to buy it for $12,000, half of which was paid up front and half was taken care of by a $6,000 mortgage that had a monthly payment system of $360. Now, while that seems like an inconsequential detail, it will play a massive role in the massacre to come. Yeah, and many since. 
which you'll find out <laughs> with every yeah. mass killing at family annihilation, a lot of times has to do with mortgage. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Money's in the line. Now, in some ways, Andrew wasn't a total villain in Bath Township, or at least not at first. Since Bath was Nellie's hometown, she soon joined the Ladies' Friday Afternoon Club. <laughs> we meet every Wednesday at night. That's and funny. You, okay, you got funny. it, right? And the Ladies' Friday Afternoon Club allowed the husbands to join a meeting once a year. There. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, Lay, yay. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, that's how it is. There, Andrew was known as a witty performer who was put in charge of putting on annual plays for the ladies. All right, you guys ready to see another sketch about the Chinese? Here we go. Here's here's one. It's called Magic. You can fill in the slur. I love those old you fill in the slur ones. You fill in the slur. In fact, Kehoe was described as highly sociable, even though he was also known to be a highly distant person who enjoyed setting himself apart from others. He regarded himself as superior to the rest of Bath because of his self-education, despite the fact that he was a farmer with middling to low success at best. What was it, the idea that someone said in America that, like, one of our main problems that everybody thinks that they're a debased millionaire? No, it's that, you know, that there are no poor people in America, just temporarily embarrassed millionaires. Yes. Oh, lol, ruffle. But he was one of those guys. That was, was always like, I'm different. Yeah. I'm a little different than everybody else. I'm more in control. I am um, obviously a genius. F- mm. Float bloat. F- float. What was it? Frothy bloat? Frothy like, bloat. Frothy float. I'm going to make a new savory dessert that everyone Absolutely. is going to love. And he was that type of guy. So he was a performer making him laugh. Well, that's the ironic thing about it is that he's there in Bath, Michigan. He's in a rural community. He's saying, my God, I'm so much more superior to all of you other people. And meanwhile, everyone else in town is better at the job that everyone in the town does than him. I'd and yet he says he's superior. It's mm-hmm. almost like mm-hmm. it's 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 because he's bad at it. Yeah. Well, in an eerie similarity to family annihilator John List, who used to mow his lawn in a three-piece suit, Andrew Kehoe would plow his fields neatly groomed and dressed in a business suit, a vest, and polished shoes. It's stupid. As if dressing above his station somehow set him apart from the so-called plebeians who toiled in the dirt wearing appropriate clothing. It's just because it goes from being funny to haunting. Same thing with the John List thing is that mm. him going in the suits like you at first you think it's laughter but again after you kill 45 children with fucking improvised explosive devices 35 children s- seven adults. Yeah, you you start to look you start to realize like oh that's like pathological. Like you guys yeah. in full like that full business attire out there cuz it's hot as fuck. There's some kind of sociopathy to it. I remember I met the second or maybe the wealthiest man in Brooklyn. He owns all of Brooklyn. Steiner Studios, all, every of it. You would walk past him. He's covered in stains. He wears nothing but sweatpants. The man looks so unbelievably disheveled. He looks like the dude from uh, Confederacy of Dunces, mm-hmm. one of the richest people ever. I wonder what what is that? Why do you think people, is it the duality? We talk about that sometimes with like, you know, secular humanism and stuff. Do you think? Is it the presentation and then knowing that, like, but secretly I'm super rich? Well, I think, actually, I think what it is is that it's it's all right here. Because part of Kehoe's inability to get ahead was the fact that he was constantly 
getting in his own way by paying attention to shit that didn't matter. It's mm. all the social shit. The Brooklyn billionaire that you're talking about, he's focused on his business. Yeah. He's focused True. on what the, he's focused on making money. He doesn't give a shit what he looks like. I will say this. The wife that he would go eat at Carmine's with was very focused on her looks. Yeah. Um, That's because what I was want. always like, when I first met him, I was like, How, what? what is happening? And then I walked into my former boss's office and he's just sitting there. And I was like, you let this guy in here, huh? And that's when I found out the real truth. It was shocking. Oh, yeah. yeah. But that's the thing about uh, Andrew Kehoe. If his hands got too greasy, which happens all the time in farm work, especially when you're working with tractors, you're just constantly covered in grease, he would rush home to wash up. If he got a <laughs> smudge of dirt or even a small sweat stain on his shirt, he'd run home and change. And he kept his barn cleaner than most people in Bath Township kept their houses it's all ruse man okay. it's really just it's again i think it's you you um, it's something within i think the term is a, a the pathological narcissist or like something you're looking at the gap between you and everybody else and so you what you do is you fill it with all this other nonsense without acknowledging that there is a distinct gap in your abilities to be successful yeah i mean i think a big part of it is that it's the thing that we talked about in the uh the alistair crowley episodes you know if you're going against your nature because that's the thing mm. this motherfucker should never have been a farmer ever he should have been an electrician you know it's oh. almost like he just became a farmer through some sort of stubbornness we gave uh, it it was through it was from his father or whatever like you came it came upon this land and again it was something about that it's it's him pretending to be something that he's not he should have yeah. just built a comedy club it sounds like oh yeah. yeah but besides his unreasonably fastidious nature kehoe was also known to be casually cruel huh. in march of 1920 he shot a neighbor's dog for burying a bone beside his fence and coldly told the owner that he did so in a tone that suggested the act was entirely justified Another time, a neighbor went to Kehoe's farm to find Andrew driving his horses beyond their physical limits. And that night, Kehoe beat one of his horses to death because he was frustrated that it wasn't doing what he wanted them to do. Oh, my. I mean, this is that's and that I think is Andrew Kehoe in a nutshell. He's trying to force something that is impossible. And when that doesn't happen, he gets violent. Yeah, he mm. gets violent. He like because that's what the dude was saying in that in that incident. He was looking at the, the him hit this horse and he was like, Nobody who knows like what your relationship to a horse should be would be treating this horse like this. Because like, as a farmer, because how from what I've heard and what you guys, the way you describe your love of the animals on your farm, oh God, it's very adorable. familial. Like, and no, they yeah, work, especially they, a horse. Jesus Christ, of course. Yeah, that's of not course. how you're going to want to treat a horse now here. Just like, help me unzip my pants. Let me show you. That is actually how you're going to want to treat a horse. A horse's clit is actually on its dick. Uh, I don't, you want to do that as a horse i'm not sure which one is better or worse either way it's not easy to be a horse here on this here horty farm <laughs> but just like the rest of america bath michigan was modernizing during the time that kehoe was failing at farm work but the modernization of bath would in fact become the focal point for Kehoe's frustrations. Mm. See, rural schools in towns like Bath used to be single-room buildings where one person would be responsible for teaching every kid from first grade all the way up to eighth grade. And when the kid got through eighth grade, he was expected to begin a life of toil in the fields just like his daddy had done and his yep. daddy's daddy had done before him. Finally, somebody making some sense. Him child <laughs> was go, he's supposed to dig up rocks in a field uh -huh. and then go to a war 
and then gets shot in the head. He ain't supposed <laughs> to be learning all these things about hugging and being with otherins. There ain't no otherins you can play with me. Absolutely. But after World War I, the country became far more mobile and connected, and a push was made to build larger schools in rural areas to bring country kids up to speed with their city counterparts. This was, of course, met with opposition from country folk who've always seemed to have a bit of a problem with education. Because you don't understand, when I'm out with horse, it's simple. I got horse, <laughs> I got soon-to-be dead wife, I've got gasoline stove. And that's all that matters in this life. Now, you mean to tell me I gotta go to college and make things complicated like Avril Lavigne? Uh, well, that's a little stereotypical of the American farmer, is it not, Henry? Thomas Zabrowski, the consumer of much meat. This is the time period. Now farming is very difficult. Yeah, it's extraordinarily difficult. No, it definitely, it takes a lot to be a farmer. Um, and it takes a lot to be a rancher. But back then, I mean, from the perspective Henry was just going from, it's not even, I don't want to go to college. I don't want my kids to go to college. These people couldn't see why anyone needed anything higher than an eighth grade education. Simple. But when it came to Andrew Kehoe, the major sticking point <laughs> was the other side of the argument. Because in order to build these larger schools, counties had to considerably raise the taxes. Uh-oh. Mm, yeah. In Bath, it took two years of arguing before it was finally decided that maybe providing a high school education to the kids might be beneficial. And a handsome two-story brick school was built overlooking the town. Ooh. Bath then hired a superintendent named Emery Hewick who had a solid reputation as an educator, and he had the ability to exercise authority with ease. But what Hewitt didn't count on was an increasingly irritable local sourpuss named Andrew Kehoe. It really mm. is like the mayor of Gotham did not just live in his life saying like, oh, Gotham's gonna be great, without realizing that like, the Joker is working in the fucking, like he's there, like yeah. He's, yeah. he's the secretary. You know, getting more and more mad because that dude was really because, you know, he never I will say he he only kind of tried to be nice. He showed his true colors pretty early as soon as he got in. Yeah. If you're a, if you're a CEO of a large company, go to the mailroom, go there right now. Look people in the eyes because you never know what day it is going to be when that mail is finally one letter too much and they start going crazy. We got a friend who works in a mailroom and well, I'm just happy he's hanging in there. Yeah. <laughs> and if I could compare him to any bat, see the Joker, you immediately know something's wrong. It's more of a slow burn. Yeah, it's the it's the face paint. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. what's difficult. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a difficult. He's more of a I don't know, like a Riddler. Oh yeah, he's in there. He's he's of like he's in that world. Because again, he's just now we now know Andrew Kehoe's fucking a lord of man. He's trying to fucking <laughs> bring chaos to the fold. And again, it's about taxes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's about taxes. Now, things were admittedly hard for farmers in the early 20s when the Bath School was being built. The Great Depression had hit farmers before anyone else, 10 years before the stock market crash of 1929. And for Kehoe in particular, his crop yields barely covered his expenses. Therefore, I will give him this, a new tax was understandably worrisome. But you're saying the term understandably worrisome, which worrisome. is very different than I'm going to make a series of explosives of over a year. I mean, like, that's the thing. It's just, yeah. you know, what are we coming at this way? Well, see, to pay for the school, a man of Kehoe's means had to pay an extra yearly tax 
of 150 bucks. That's $2,300 in today's money. That's no oh, small sum. You're right. No. And in addition, Kehoe was also behind on his mortgage payments. Which yeah, man. We'll get to the reasons why he was behind on his fucking mortgage payments later He's an on. asshole. Spends a lot of money <laughs> trying to build bombs, I think. Yeah. He did. Yeah, he did. But if we do a little math here to bring things back to the land of reason, mm. the school tax amounted to just 3.4% of Kehoe's yearly mortgage. And if he believed in his community, it would have been an inconvenient sacrifice, sure, hmm. but a possible one. But as Kehoe put it, he didn't have any fucking kids. Yep. So why should okay. he have to pay for anyone else's fucking kids? That's why sometimes I go to a public park. I park on top of the slide. And if those kids <laughs> want to come up there, they got to subscribe our podcast on their parents' phones. Absolutely. Because that's so, how this point. goes. I Absolutely. go one at a time. He's being like, I don't got kids, but I got a podcast. Mm -hmm. So despite the fact that Kehoe was childless, he technically addressed his grievance the way you're supposed to do it here in America. He ran for school board treasurer. I'm running for treasurer. Fantastic. I will gain power over the purse. I will be lord of the coin. And then, <laughs> but guess what, man? Well, you know what? You think that the treasurers don't got a lot of power at all. Well, well, it's tough to say. I mean, he won and he spent his tenure doing everything he could to make sure the school got as little funding as possible. Oh, there he, you go. He, he McConnelled it. He yeah. got in there and he was like, I'm going to gum up the works. I'm going to yeah. be like, I'm going to fuck all y'all up. And I mean, you know, technically, this that's the American way. Mm -hmm. In particular, Kehoe focused his ire on Superintendent Hewick, fighting every request for textbooks, encyclopedias, and playground equipment that came across his desk. Fuck the kids, fuck the children, again and again and again. In addition, Kehoe took a hundred bucks out of Hewick's yearly raise. Just to tell him to go fuck himself. And he removed a week from Hewick's two-week annual vacation just out of fucking spite. Just to say, fuck you. This is just, oh, God, you see so many of these guys. They're everywhere. And to make things even more acrimonious, Kehoe, more often than not, forgot to deliver Hewick's paycheck. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> Hewick would have to chase Kehoe down just to get paid every week. See, I just see these tiny little shades in me because it's one of those, I drive like a demon on my own time. But if you tailgate me, I will find myself doing the thing where I slow down, right? And I slow down and I'll just, it's I'll stop unsafe. traffic on the whole fucking week. I don't, I'll stop it on very the whole unsafe. street. I mm -hmm. don't care. And as they're trying to get around me, I make sure I'm boxing them in back and forth. Right. Trying to play games with people's lives who are just trying to get to work or to the grocery <laughs> store. Maybe they have children in the back seat of their own, of their own van, but you have a, grief, what, a grievance with some random person. If you want to play games. You got to find out if you're playing the same games or if someone else is going to show up with a new game with more complex rules than you ever thought. And now you're not playing your game anymore. You're involved in somebody else's game. Yeah, buddy. I can just see this all ending horribly for you. <laughs> Boy, I just can't wait to move to L.A. where I can deal with all kinds of people like you. No, Henry's see, unique. Buddy. Henry's unique. <laughs> no, I am not unique. I am not unique because I've had it done to me. And the cycle of abuse continues it is it's the little cars that do it marcus don't worry they don't mess with a subaru they know you're a working man yeah oh yeah they know an out they know a man in an outback's got places to go i understand mm. i know the respect that a subaru outback gets on the highway <laughs> you're gonna get oh, yeah. scissored to death by a bunch of prison lesbians so fast <laughs> you have no great clue. day it's a great day 
Now, of course, all of the shenanigans that Andrew Kehoe is going forth with, it all sounds extremely petty. And according to the experiences of someone very close to me who was once on a small town school board, it's all pretty par for the course. Yeah. But while Kehoe was constantly fighting the tide of the taxes, certain events fell into place that would eventually coincide with his increasingly murderous hatred and his increasing resentment towards the community. Mm. During the winter of 1925, two years before the massacre, the school somehow got infested with bees. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, ultimate Wait chaos a agents, dude. All right. It does not get infested with bees. Who brought the bees? <laughs> what teacher <laughs> thought it'd be fun to have I bee don't know. day? Maybe How the it was... fuck did the bees get in the school? As you'll see, it might have been Kehoe. Huh? Kehoe volunteered to help and slaughtered every bee in sight. But since it's like he was Dale so, from King of the Hill, they yeah, literally God, brought is, him in. They were like, "Who's gonna? We have this bee problem. Don't know what to do." And Kehoe's like, "I'll solve your bee problem." And they're like, <laughs> "All right." And then they were like, "No more bees." Yeah, wow. I guess somehow Kehoe figured it out. He's like, "Yeah, I got a tiny gun." Mm-hmm. <laughs> but since Kehoe was so efficient, the school board made him an unofficial handyman and Uh-oh. gave him unlimited access to the building. Yeah, I'm going to take out the infrastructure. Looking fragile, I like it. (laughs) Yes, indeed. So he went from, now is he still the treasurer? Yeah. Yep. So he's the treasurer and now the handyman. Mm -hmm. Yep. (sighs) Seemingly enjoying this new avenue of power, Kehoe spent the next two years doing electrical repairs, plumbing, and tiling for the school. Tiling and plumbing and electrical repairs. Isn't it wonderful what I do for the school? <laughs> it's like all day long. Ah, yes. Ah, your precious wiring. Ah, see that light? <laughs> Just fixed it. You can thank your treasurer, Andrew <laughs> Kehoe. Well, thank you. It seems like you're doing good stuff at this oh, point. Oh, I'm no. doing great stuff. Yeah, you seem totally hinged. Yeah. And this is all while he became intimately familiar with the ins and outs of the building. Uh Uh-oh. Now, while we don't know for sure how his nefarious plans came to be formed, but it seems like the more time Kehoe spent in the building, the more it became apparent to him that all he really wanted to do was burn the whole goddamn thing to the ground. Hey there, Mr. Janitor with one arm. And this is true. There was a one-arm janitor that they hired that was very bad at his... That was one of his sticking points, is that they had a one-arm janitor <laughs> that they hired because they were trying to be nice. Yeah. And then he fought against the guy being hired because oh, he wasn't on. technically very good at his job. But then he kept whittling his salary down every year, right? He was fucking with what this guy. What an asshole. This he guy's messing asshole. with other people's money. You know, at some point, he's just like, I see you're doing a new paint job on the front of the school. Seems nice. Have you ever thought about using flickers of orange and red? It's pathetic what this man is doing. It's awful. This is amazing. He's just the least community-minded person on Earth. 45 children, 7 adults. I'm just saying, when we just say least community... Children, seven I'm adults. just saying, when we say least community-minded, he literally tried to kill the community. He was yes. an elected official, so he's not the least community-minded. He's he just did it to, to kill the community. He literally, <laughs> right. again, the American yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, he's trying to eat it from the inside. Mm. But the thing was, Andrew Kehoe was given the means to enact such a plan when the DuPont Company and the U.S. government realized that they still had a shitload of high explosives left over from World War I, and it's just sitting there being unprofitable. Sitting wow. there. It's Who like cares? sheep in a field. The thing about your explosives is that <laughs> they can't just be sitting mm-hmm. there, right? You got to get wool out of the mm-hmm. explosives. You got to get really money. do. 
<laughs> That's great. So the Department of Agriculture began distributing a low-grade explosive named pyrotol made from high-grade explosives, and they sold it to farmers as a relatively safe and inexpensive way to clear fields of tree stumps and boulders. Every farmer was allowed to purchase 1,000 pounds of pyrotol each. Ah. And in 1925, two years before the Bath School Massacre, and right around the time he was given complete access to the school, Andrew Kehoe bought 500 pounds of the stuff. Yeah, just one sticking point, Mr. DuPont. You say yeah. it's limited, small amounts of, of, uh, of explosives, but if, if they buy a shitload of them, then doesn't it make it a lot of explosives? No, it makes it a good customer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at around the same time, Andrew Kehoe's life quickly started sliding down the outhouse hole. I got to board up that hole. (laughs) Good day. (laughs) Well, based off his school board experience, he'd been serving as the town clerk as a fill-in before the next election. That's the thing. It was from a runoff, dude. He just slipped in. He was never really going to be this thing, but now they had to officially elect him. So he's the... He's basically a custodian. He's a he's the electrician. He's now the tre- he's the treasurer, and now he's also the clerk. Yep, and he'd fully been expected to be reelected, but he didn't even get a nomination. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Don't it's elect he kept me. Kept on fucking everybody's no, salary over. There's yeah. no reason to think about electing me. Come on, <laughs> give me free time. That's exactly oh what I need. God. Hours and days of free thinking time and <laughs> journaling time and planning time. If anything, he's Two-Face. Yeah. Former government official turned bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you don't know it's all going to explode until the bullet hits the bone. Ooh. He then tried running for justice of the peace instead, but didn't even come close to getting elected. I don't need to be elected. <laughs> I wow. have access to the school. <laughs> it seems like he really needed to be elected. I <laughs> this is the best news I've had all week. <laughs> he should have campaigned on, if you don't elect me, I'm blowing up the school. It would have worked. <laughs> At the same time, his wife Nellie's health was rapidly failing, which resulted in a pile of increasingly expensive medical bills. Keep mm. coughing, Nellie. I love the sounds of the coins falling out of my pockets. Furthermore, Kehoe hadn't made a mortgage payment in four years, partly because the depression was lowering the price of his crop, but mostly he hadn't paid the mortgage out of principle. Out of principle. Because he'd come to decide that he'd been sold the farm at an unfair price. And this is a thing I just want to tell our audience again. Remember this, all right? Just because you think it's correct, it's so difficult to tell the bank. Because you know how many times I've been on the line with the bank saying, like, you have the computer. All you have to do is to go in there and change it on the big computer. And then they're like, my hands are tied. It's like, literally, I know that they're not. I know that they're open because you're holding the phone to your face. Well, we don't know. These employers are, are getting pretty rude to their employees. They may have their hands tied. Yeah, they might. But I will say this. You do have a little bit of power. Don't pay back, oh, your Amex bill. Let's you say don't it's have 20 to. or 30 grand. But when they really want the money, you say, I'll give you two grand right now. And then it you works. can do it. So it, it does works. happen sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, incredibly, Kehoe also tried blaming the missed payments on the school tax, even though it was, again, $150 a year, while Kehoe's mortgage payments were $360 a month. Ooh. 
Now, there's no telling what specifically set Kehoe on the road to murder, because as we said, it really wasn't just one thing. All we know is that starting in late 1926, his collection of grievances piled up high enough where his fantasies of revenge began to form into a terrifyingly patient plan for mass murder. It's something about that. T- Again, it's the patience. Him, BTK, uh, Unabomber, Stephen Paddock. There's just something about that, how these are all combined. I don't know why, for me, it makes it so much more, like, you know, we know, I hate to use the word evil, but, like, there's something about that where, like, the, the amount of detail that goes into it. Yes, dead. because right now there could be somebody bloody. Yeah. Fair, you're right. It's scary. There is somebody plotting. There literally is. (laughs) There's probably thousands of people plotting right now. And that's why we were telling you, we're the good ones. All right? We're on your side. (laughs) Sure. And we're here to listen. We're here to listen. Also, if you are plotting right now, get the new PS5, Gotham Knights. It's supposed to be good. I got the PS4. They're already screwing me out of my games. Look at this. Oh, I have a grievance. Oh, it's already beginning. I have a grievance. You see, he gets me now. Yes, because they're forcing me to buy the PS5. Well, my grievance is that God of War could have been a lot more impressive if they didn't have to keep making it for the fucking PS4, but that's a different grievance altogether. Yeah, can't wait for you to move to Los Angeles. <laughs> Let's have you slightly closer. The plan closer. begins. <laughs> <laughs> but that's also a supply chain issue. I understand that people weren't able to get a hold of the PS5. We I understand all know. That. It's a bigger I than I understand us. that. I understand that. I'm glad you're able to also enjoy God of War, Ben. I'm glad. And also Gotham Knights is supposed to suck. Well, just wait when you wake up and indeed your PS5 has become my PS4. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, he's so, so sneaky. Whoa. Live from your grave. Hi, I'm Jackie Zabrowski. And I'm MJ. And I'm Holden from the Page 7 Podcast, and we're going on tour! That's right, we're touring all up in this mother-freaking country. I'm fake cursing someone ever, Jackie. Just say the filthy F-word already. And we will say the filthy F-word when we come to your town. That's right, we're coming to Texas, the Midwest, the Northeast, and then right back here in Cali, baby. For ticket links and more details, visit lastpodcastnetwork.com. That's right, lastpodcastnetwork.com. Page 7 and Wizard and the Bruiser present Release the Butthole Cut! Wait, that's really what we're calling the tour? Absolutely. Release the Butthole Cut. For more information, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Packages by Expedia. You were made to be rechargeable. We were made to package flights, hotels, and hammocks for less. Expedia. Made to travel. Well, in November of that year, seven months before the massacre, Kehoe bought a truck for the first time in his life and drove to Lansing, Michigan. There, alone and without witnesses, he bought two boxes of dynamite and a bunch of blasting caps from the Hercules Powder Company. Yum, 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 yum. Having a fun day with my fun little treats. Uh, hello. Uh, two boxes of your finest dynamite, please. Interesting. <laughs> I'm going to blow up the school. What was that? Ear, earmuffs. Earmuffs I'm going to flow up to a pool and enjoy myself <laughs> at a hotel, a fancy hotel. Fantastic. You can tell us anything. We don't listen to our customers as right? to why they need all this dynamite. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Well, by January, Kehoe was experimenting with explosives at night. And when a neighbor asked him why he was blowing shit up at midnight... <laughs> 
Kehoe explicitly told him that he was experimenting with timers and he'd wired an explosive to go off by alarm clock. I just like that. This is a, it's real. This is oh how scary. God. I mean, he's, he's scary. But they're showing up. They're, they're like, why are you blowing stuff? He's like, just seeing if I could figure out how to blow something up from far away. <laughs> yeah. They're like, it, I kind of want to do it at a specific time. Yeah. As well. right. yeah. It's not for farming. Yeah. And they just go, cool. Cool. Uh-huh. Kind of a red flag there. I'd put a little red flag of a whoop, red yeah. flag, right? Or it just rose up. Well, once those experiments started bearing results, Andrew Kehoe obviously made a decision. By early spring, neighbors noticed that Kehoe's farm equipment, usually in pristine condition, had fallen into disrepair, and his crops were left to rot in the fields. Hmm. Yep, yeah, I said, I tried to tell I was out with the, uh, the corn the other day, and I said, uh, fuck it. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Fuck that corn experimental farming. See you soon. Wow. See, unbeknownst to the town, Kehoe had abandoned the business of farming completely to focus solely on becoming the mad bomber of Bath. Charge me for the school. Charge me for the church. Mm-hmm. In May of 1927, the final piece of the puzzle fell into place when Kehoe bought something called a hot shot battery used mostly to provide a spark to fire up hand-cranked car engines, the hotshot battery also worked exceedingly well as an ignition device. Or at Mm. least, that was Andrew Kehoe's hope. The same week Kehoe bought the hotshot batteries, he had an odd exchange with the school bus driver. Usually, when Kehoe distributed paychecks as school board treasurer, he did so without a word. But on that day... Kehoe gave a bitter chuckle as he handed over the check, saying, quote, You better keep that. It may be the last you ever get. <laughs> All right. See you, <laughs> see you soon. great comedy. Soon after the bus driver exchange, a teacher at the Bath School saw Kehoe unloading several large crates from his truck into the school. <laughs> but the teacher, who obviously had no frame of reference for a school bombing, decided that Kehoe was probably just unloading potatoes. No, these aren't the potatoes. These are explosives. Oh, it's explosive (laughs) potatoes. Sure, say whatever you want. Okay. There was also the janitor, who noticed that the crawl space trap doors were being kept open and unlocked for weeks at a time. Oh, yeah. See, uh, Maybe you couldn't lift it up with your one arm, but Uh, I can do it with my two arms. And mm -hmm. I do that there because um, I'm planning something. (laughs) <laughs> it seems like there was a lot of evidence that he was indeed planning something. It's a lot of innocuous stuff that, but you, again, you don't understand until everything blows up. There's right. no frame of reference for this shit. No it, it never crosses someone's mind that he's going to blow up the school. Right. It never crosses someone's mind that they're going to kill children. Like, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't compute, man. But this, all these crawl spaces being left unlocked, this was the work of Andrew Kehoe who had spent weeks wiring the entire building to explode on the last day of school. Oh my God, that's crazy. Now, the school year was set to end on May 18th, and early that morning, Kehoe drove to town to send a wooden crate to Lansing, Michigan, that had the words, Pyrotol, high explosives, dangerous, crossed (laughs) off with black chalk. Oh, it's fine then. Then it's fine. It's just (laughs) fucking wild. See, they're they're X'd off, so it's no big deal. And after sending the package, Kehoe was stopped by a fellow school board member who told Kehoe that the water pump at the school needed fixing immediately. Kehoe, of course, begged off, saying there wasn't enough time to fix it before school started. 
then Kehoe very quickly disappeared. Well, he did the thing where he's like, well, you know, well, there's no way I can fix it right now. You know, school starts soon at, at 925. And the guy was like, it's 815. And he's like, yeah, mm -hmm. I got to go. Well, it's the last day of school. I think maybe those kids can go without water for just one day. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why Kehoe wanted to stay far away from school was because he'd set an alarm clock in the basement to go off at 9.45, 15 minutes after classes began on the last day of school. And when that clock hit 9.45, <gasps> Andrew Kehoe's explosives went boom. Oh my Before anyone could react, the north wing of the school collapsed, starting with the roof, and the second floor room holding the fifth graders came crashing down on the next, which crushed a first floor room full of sixth graders. Oh my God. An entire brick wall of the room holding the second graders on the second floor collapsed as well. But by some insane stroke of luck, the teacher had succumbed to a request from her students to read them a story on the other side of the room. And all of them were therefore spared. Wow. But just as the first set of explosives set up by Andrew Kehoe were going off at the school, a utility worker named Oscar Bush noticed that the Kehoe farmhouse was on fire. Bush ran into the house to see if anyone needed saving, but was instead met with a bundle of dynamite. Yeah, dude, oh, this sent no. shivers up my spine. He walked in, he saw the bundles of dynamite. They pulled them out. They pulled out the dynamite, but then all of a sudden it's just boom, boom. Jeez. Boom, the other structures started blowing up. So scary. Yeah. As Bush and his neighbors who'd shown up to help quickly fled, because they didn't get all the dynamite out. There no. were 18 sticks in there. Jeez. Andrew Kehoe's farmhouse exploded along with the sheep house, the barn, the tool shed, and the hog house. And as those neighbors watched, Andrew Kehoe came driving through the smoke like a ghost and told everyone that they'd better get themselves to the school. Kehoe then sped off towards town. He's fucking scary as fuck oh in this scene. Because he's literally like, I like you guys, right? I like all you guys. It was really fun. Like, like they're watching, they're watching his home explode as he's like smiling at them, just being like, see you at the school. And then, oh my God. Well, he tells them to get to the school because Kehoe's got one more thing to do. Now, back at the school, the entire North Wing was in ruins, but that had been the only part of the T-shaped building that had collapsed. But because it was more of a collapse than an Oklahoma City-type explosion, dozens of the school's youngest children could be heard calling from under the wreckage. They had oh. not been killed by the blast. The biggest obstacle was that many were trapped under the heavy roof that had collapsed above them. So rescuers could see arms, legs, and heads of still-living children sticking out from the rubble covered in dust, plaster, and blood. And while some were rescued, those who didn't make it, including a girl who'd been crushed from the waist up by a piece of masonry, Ugh. and a boy whose head had been severed by a fallen beam, Dang. they were laid on a grassy knoll that came to be known as Hospital Hill. To try and remove the roof, a rescuer named Monty Ellsworth drove out to his farm to fetch some rope, and that's when he saw Andrew Kehoe driving in the opposite direction towards the school. From what Ellsworth could make out, Kehoe's face was, quote, contorted into a ghastly grin like the rictus of a corpse. And Ellsworth said that Kehoe's smile was so wide and so large 
that he could see both rows of his teeth. It's oh just not God. a fun <laughs> smile. He's like, no. it's the, again, it's me going five miles per hour in the 40 mile zone, right? It's that look of like, I'll bring the whole fucking world down around me if I have to. Yes, I do like that you're comparing yourself to this man while you drive, Henry. That's safe for all of us here. <laughs> <It is. laughs> yeah. Well, Ellsworth returned to the wreckage just in time to catch up with Kehoe, who was driving up to the scene for his final act of terror. Mm. One witness said that the first person to notice Kehoe was Superintendent Hewick, who was holding the body of a dead child when he spotted his nemesis. Hewick handed the body to a woman standing next to him and walked up to Kehoe's truck, either because Kehoe summoned him or because Hewick knew something that no one else had yet figured out. I feel like on some level, because they've been at each other's throats for so long, he was like, you got something to do with this. Well, he probably looked over and saw that fucking smile. Yeah. And once there, Hewitt put a foot on the running board and leaned in the window. A short conversation began, followed by a struggle that one witness said was a fight for control of a handgun. Hmm. Another witness said that Hewick was trying to prevent Kehoe from flipping a switch. <gasps> but either way, Hewick failed. By gunshot or by switch, Andrew Kehoe activated another bomb that caused his truck to explode, oh shredding God. both men into pieces that were flung so far that parts were found hanging in tree branches a block away. Jesus. I mean, that's fucking, it's, it's terrible, but it's metal too. Like it's just the idea crazy. of like, you're just getting, he got blown to pieces. Yeah. The only identifiable piece of Kehoe's body was part of his skull, recognized by the gray hair still attached. By way of trajectory, it was also surmised that the intestines lodged in the steering column of the truck's wreckage Ugh. also belonged to Kehoe. Damn. And if you look at pictures of Kehoe, he looks like an old-timey bank manager. That's how he kind of dressed. He had like the mm-hmm. big, thick white hair and with the imperious face. That's mm-hmm. insane. As far as Hewick went, his body was, quote, reduced to a terrible hunk of blood and bone and hair. God, I love, I fucking love Schechter's writing. Yeah, it's good. And the only thing that allowed people to identify his body was the remains of the checkered sports coat he'd been wearing that day. However, Hewick and Kehoe were far from the only casualties in the car bombing. Kehoe had loaded the bed of his truck with scrap metal, nuts, bolts, nails, and farm implements, which in effect turned his vehicle into a gigantic shrapnel grenade. I don't know what made him think of that besides everything, besides just like thinking of every single possible way to be as, to cause as much chaos as possible. Because that was like, that's one of the first of people doing that. Am I correct? Like, like people use shrapnel guns, shrapnel bombs like they do now or? Oh, I mean, not back then. It really wasn't known as, I mean, that was a, Real, I mean, in terrorist bombings throughout history, especially modern terrorist car bombings, this is textbook. Yeah, it's textbook. And he was one of the first people to do it. I should stop printing the textbook. Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> think we need to know. Well, two men named Glenn Smith and Nelson McFerrin were standing nearby. And while McFerrin was killed in the blast instantly, Smith had his leg blown off at the thigh and died later at the hospital. A block away, a woman named Anna Perone was hit by shrapnel that tore out her eye and blew off part of her skull. Mm. And while she did survive, the following surgery saw the removal 
of 62 pieces of shattered bone from her brain. Jeez. Now, there were plenty more casualties, but the most tragic by far was eight-year-old Cleo Clayton, who'd escaped the school bombing unharmed, but had his stomach torn out and his spine shattered by a large bolt from Kehoe's last act of evil. God. Fifteen minutes later, the authorities showed up en masse. And this, by the way, this is before the fucking fire department even showed up. Yeah, man. It's like the fucking, the place blows up, the, it collapses, people are trying to dig kids out, Kehoe shows up and explodes the fucking, explodes the car. It's like 15 minutes. It's like wow. 15 minutes, yeah. Yeah. And while most of the authorities focused on rescuing the children, the sheriff's department investigated the basement where the blast originated, where they discovered that the massacre could have been far worse. They immediately saw several unexploded sticks of pyrotol jutting out from the broken plaster that had fallen from the ceiling, and a wire was running from the explosives to an unknown source. Rescue operations were halted while the policemen bravely followed the wires. Connected to various hotshot batteries were over 300 sticks of pyrotol, 10 burlap sacks of gunpowder, and 204 sticks of dynamite planted throughout the building oh between God. the ceiling of the basement and the first floor of the school. This is where you have to sort of thank the fact that most terrorist acts are ended and stopped by incompetence. Yeah. Because they don't know how to do it. He's just an amateur rigging it all up. So he fucked it up. Columbine was the same way. There were a lot of explosives in yes. Columbine that didn't go off. Now, no one knows exactly why mm. Kehoe's explosive devices failed, but if he'd succeeded in detonating all 504 pounds of explosives, he would have easily killed all 250 children in addition to all of the teachers and anyone unlucky enough to be near the building. That was his goal. He would have vaporized the building. He would have vaporized the whole thing. It would have turned yeah. it all into rubble. But before the day was even out, the looky-loos came in full force. Along with the understandable throng of journalists, thousands of just regular folks swarmed the town to take in the carnage. Hmm. So many that a line of cars two miles long trailed out of town. Why true crime now? Why now? (laughs) Oh, yeah. True crime now. It's so tasteless. It's so tasteless. Hundreds of people surrounded the scene to gawk at the gore. Same day. Wow. One of them was so brazen that he walked up to the wreckage of Kehoe's truck and snipped a section of intestine from the steering oh, wheel and put man. it in a jar of alcohol. It's My fun. God, true I'm, crime's so tasteless these days. It's so fun, though, honestly. That's cool. I'll die. Well, I take don't know. Why? What? what uh. Now I'm going to save this for later. What do you even do with it? <laughs> I don't Souvenir, know. Man. Souvenir, man. That's what it's all about. Souvenir. It's, it's, okay. it's in somebody's attic. Or somebody threw it out thinking that it was some foreskin. (laughs) But there was the possibility of one more bomb from Andrew Kehoe. Remember, he'd mailed a crate that morning before the bombing, which had accidentally actually been mailed to Lanesburg, Michigan, (laughs) instead of Lansing. (laughs) Post office at it again. (laughs) Come on. But instead of explosives, authorities found a passive-aggressive collection of documents and account books showing off Kehoe's talents as a bookkeeper, complete with a resignation letter that said, quote, I am leaving the school board and turning over to you all my accounts. 
Just had to show how fucking smart he was one, one last, last time. little one. One wow. last little how smart he shit. was at such a mundane task. And just being bitter as fuck. It's his it's his BTK cereal boxes. It's that right. style of like and I'm being funny about it. And yes. I'm resigning. Wow, what an asshole. Eventually, though, someone thought to inquire about just where the hell Andrew Kehoe's wife Nellie was. It was assumed that she died in the explosion at the Kehoe farm. And when the debris from the fire cooled down the next day, those suspicions were confirmed. Andrew Kehoe's wife had been his first victim when he crushed her skull with a blunt object. Remember, she was about to be dead. Yeah. You know what I mean? She was sick. Probably had tuberculosis, they thought. But again, that was another one of his grievances yes. that he had to deal with this sick wife who was dying uh, and caught. But that's the thing. It wasn't it was even that she was him. sick. It wasn't even that she was sick. That wasn't even what bothered him. What bothered him is that it was costing him money. Yes. Mm. Her corpse had been lashed to a two wheel hog cart and piled with family silverware, Nellie's jewelry, bills from her frequent hospital stays and their marriage license. He then doused the whole thing with kerosene and lit it on fire. Yeah, man. Jeez. Overkill. Oh, and it, it went even further than that. He murdered his two remaining horses by binding their legs with wire before burning down the barn. God. And he destroyed a young grove of trees by stripping off a band of bark around the base of each one. And that took what hours. Is, that takes hours is, to do it. Yes. My God. Just, and to make sure no one benefited from his death, he dynamited all of his farm equipment. Yep. Well, there you go. That's the, pure the final insult. Pure, yeah. pure asshole. The only thing that wasn't destroyed was the hen house, but that only survived because Andrew Kehoe's incendiary device hadn't worked on that building. Mm. By looking at the apparatus, investigators discovered that Kehoe had destroyed everything on his farm all at once by connecting firebombs to a single electrical switch. See, what I would have done hmm. is that you steal one of those chickens, fill those chickens, is Andrew Kehoe's Miracle chickens that lived through a thing who figured out how to flip it in reverse with the miracle Mm -hmm. chicken. They undetonated, how's the term, their bomb, right? And Mm -hmm. saved themselves. Ultimate hostage negotiating chickens. That's a miracle egg. What you're you're eating right there is actually a miracle miracle egg. chicken, yeah. It's a miracle. It tastes so good, right? We killed Mm -hmm. it. Snapped it. Yeah. But perhaps what truly places Andrew Kehoe in the whiny dickhead Hall of Fame was what he'd painted on a sign at the edge of his property. Stenciled in crude black paint, Kehoe had written, Criminals are made, not born. Yeah, I'm dude. Like, what if I just kill this guy again? I want to put him back together <laughs> and then I want to kill him. Well, no, it's the same thing as Marvin Hemeyer had said. It's all sometimes a reasonable man is driven to do unreasonable things. Yeah, buddy, I've seen some recent TikTok videos of people <laughs> saying that mostly while they're in their car. Very much so. Uh, wearing very <laughs> stupid hats with long beards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, he's implying that it was the people of Bath who had driven him to such madness. You ah, did this yeah. to me. If it wasn't for the Batman, there would be no reason for me to be here. <laughs> now, one question that may be going through your head at this point is why the fuck haven't you heard about 35 children and seven adults being murdered by a libertarian madman in a school bombing before now? Well, let's not put any political credence into I, anything that he says. He I feel like if he was truly liberal. These people, no, I know, he but I don't think he's. I mean, taxes. I don't even know. The Libertarian Party is in total and complete and utter shambles. But I would say he held political office, which by nature then cancels out any libertarianism. Oh. If that oh, would yeah, indeed yeah. be. So winning, 
winning because an election. Because you have to be so anti-government. <laughs> if, ha- if holding office cancels out libertarian, why is there even a libertarian party? Buddy, the Libertarian Party is—it's a collage. It's like if oh wow, it's a dis- it's, it's, it's they, the Libertarian Party bottles. is the school, right? Yeah, and yeah, now yeah. it's in shambles and it's <laughs> yeah. covered in blood and it's full of. Uh, it is well. for free water bottles. You get yes. your face on a poster, um, which they love, and then yes, I mean, they- it's a how you meet other unwashed men in a mm-hmm. conference room. Well, as to why you've never heard about this, the answer is as simple as Michael Jackson. <laughs> Uh-uh. Huh? I'm just so happy to send so many more children up to heaven so I could see him there. Well, this would, right. they wouldn't even be of that age. Michael! By the way, here. you overshot your fucking Michael Jackson quota last week by like nine jokes. Come on! So many jokes. So You're many ignorant. Michael Jackson jokes that were You're just uncalled ignorant. for. Y'all don't know. <laughs> well, I didn't bring up Michael Jackson so you could make more pedophile jokes. I don't know what to say. Well, then why did you bring he, him up, Marcus? He should well, have done it. Criminals are made, not born. He should not have molested those children. I would have to do this content. Uh-huh. Well, just as Michael Jackson's death swept away the 2009 Iranian election protest, just when America was finally starting to pay attention to something in the Middle East that didn't directly involve us, so too did the Bath School Massacre disappear from the headlines when Charles Lindbergh made the first solo transatlantic flight in history. You told me a flight of a flight sucked up all the oxygen for this? He I mean, literally sucked de- it up. I mean, flying across the first transatlantic solo flight in history, it was as big of a deal as the moon landing. I mean, yeah. it was insane that somebody was had managed to do this. And it gave the pilot the confidence yeah. to be an American Nazi later on. <laughs> And that's what it takes. It that's what he did. takes is that type yeah. of confidence. The death of yeah. Michael Jackson did cover up a lot of things, including Farrah Fawcett's death. And sometimes we need to honor Farrah, don't we? Yeah. I think about her every time I masturbate. Yeah. All right. Okay. So instead of being a point of national mourning or possibly a point of national conversation, Bath became a local macabre tourist destination. What? The summer of 1927 saw the descent of an estimated 85,000 tragedy tourists oh my were described God. by journalists as, quote, sniffing like ghouls at this town of dead children. I mean, I have spent an inordinate amount of time in front of OJ's old house, but <laughs> I don't go close. Yeah, no, I know. It's it's bizarre. Uh, it's I, This didn't happen like 9-11. I'm thinking 9-11. That's, that was an explosion. I can't. Uh, I don't think there was that kind of tourism. Was For there? Columbine? I mean, Columbine, I don't think there was. Oklahoma City bombing, there was a little bit, but it wasn't was more macabre. It wasn't as, this is just a different time period. Again, this it's is local. crazy. Like, it's local. Yeah, I know my dad went and, like, saw the ruins of Oklahoma City, but that was just yeah. because he was in town. In, he happened to be in town and was, you know, curious. I mean, hell, I went and looked. When I first came to New York for the first time in, like, 2002, I went and looked at the hole. Oh, yeah, of uh, course. The 9-11 right. hole. I mean, it's, yeah. yeah, people are curious, but this... This is beyond. A local yeah. cobbler said that tourists would fight for parking spaces near the house that lost the most children. Oh, my God. Then they would trot down to the schoolhouse to carry away bricks and write their names on blackboards in the same rooms where children had been killed. Technically, this is a this is the Ugh. incredible beginning to a horror movie. Yeah. That hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Surprisingly, one of the first responders on the scene, Monty Ellsworth, profited off the disaster by putting together a commemorative booklet that he sold to tourists for $1.50 apiece. It's called It's a School No More. And you show up here, it used to be a school, now it's dirt. You buy this Jeez. book, it's $1.50. You'll learn everything you need to know about how a school can turn to dirt. 
I mean, it just makes me think that they could have just offset the school taxes with something like a good <laughs> magazine sale, a book sale. There's a, you're talking, again, you know, sensible. You're talking about sensible building, community yeah. building, and awareness. Well, in the booklet, curious readers could find a brief history of the school, a wildly inaccurate biography of Andrew Kehoe, a personal account of the explosion, and a reminiscence by a 15-year-old survivor. Oh. I didn't like it, she yeah. says. Now, as far as how the rest of the country reacted to Bath, most of the people who actually remembered it and talked about it were the worst people our country had to offer. Hmm. And they all <laughs> tried to use it to further their own agendas, just what? like the worst people our country has to offer do today anytime there's a tragedy. We Absolutely. ain't never done changed, bro. A local minister tried blaming the massacre on the sins of modern society. Uh the KKK tried blaming it on Kehoe being Catholic. That's the craziest part about the KKK. That's when they were so unbelievably racist. If you were Catholic, like they even you were Catholic. They hated yeah. Who was it? I don't Catholic, even understand. How do they even I, get enough to collectively have a group? I don't know. White and Protestant, man. There was a lot of them. There were quite a few just white uh. Protestant people. And eugenicists tried saying that Kehoe possessed a Neanderthalic hereditary taint. That caused him to commit these atrocities. Wait, they're blaming the perineum on this? Is that what they're saying? Uh, the, it's the, a stain. the skin flap yeah, between I, the balls and the You'd also say stain, but yeah. taint is better. Taint. I like taint a lot more. Mm -hmm. Oh, my. What we need to do is start arming the building, you see. Actually, that's what happened. That's what he did. Oh, that's never mind. <laughs> oh, God. Well, as far as the media went, the Lansing State Journal tried introducing the term keyhode to mean an act of mass slaughter. Ooh. Which oh my is God. Like that's calling not... an act, it's like calling an act of domestic terrorism like McVeigh or calling a school shooting like pulling a Harris. You just got juiced. Remember? <laughs> you got, I do you know just juiced. Got juiced. Yeah, you got juiced. Thankfully, oh though, Keyhoe never caught on. And similarly, the Bath School Massacre never caught on either. It was soon overshadowed by a gas leak explosion that killed 300 children in New London, Texas, Man. 10 years later. Man, it's never what are you what it's never talking about what you used to work on. It's always what are you working on next? Yeah, I guess so. And it was mentioned only briefly during the coverage of the Columbine and Sandy Hook massacres. By the time of Uvalde, however, the media oh. could then reference Columbine and Sandy Hook. And Parkland and Virginia Tech and Santa Fe and Roseburg and a dozen other school massacres with double digit casualty counts. And those are just the massacres that take place at schools. Yeah, yeah that's only school massacres. But even though wow. it is largely forgotten, the Bath School Massacre remains the deadliest mass murder of children in United States history. And please, if you feel your hatred and negativity building like Andrew Kehoe's, Find some sort of outlet before it reaches this level. Because Absolutely. the sooner you address it, the smaller the explosion will be when it all finally gets to be too much, just as it does for all of us at some point in our lives. And that is one of the reasons why the only thing he did good was run for local office. And then he did a horrible job at said office. But he did technically. <laughs> he tried to make his difference. But I think right? he did it out of pure vengeance. And as we learned from the aforementioned The Batman. In the beginning, he says, I'm vengeance. But at the end, one of Riddler's cronies says, I'm vengeance. And then the Batman realizes he also needs to help. See, Robert Pattinson <laughs> does teach. I love and, Robert Pattinson. And I would also say, build a killdozer, but as an artistic project. <laughs> yeah. Like, build one, spend a year, 
building a killdozer. You can write a fun, funny manifesto sure. about how you want there to be free gummy worms for everybody, right? Do something <laughs> like fun and then you drive it in the local parade. And then yeah. what you get then is the fun tension of, is he going to use it to kill everybody today? Right. But you could say like, no, I'm like God. You can get your God fixed by saying, I choose to spare all of you. We didn't even talk about parade massacres. We did. Nope. Oh, or office Lord. massacres or well, um, concert massacres or any Well, of the I don't others. like a like, bit of this. <laughs> I don't like it at all. Sports massacres. And that's it. That's the bath school right. massacre. Hey, well, man. thank you for shedding some light on that horrific fucking story. Very scary. A uh, long time ago, but it's still right around the corner. So again, check in with your local loners. Bring them some like muffins. Just yeah. say hi. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but then they're just not going to like the muffins. And you're like, chocolate chip. I feel like, I try. To lose weight. I try. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. if you feel your hatred and negativity building and building and building, address it. Talk about it. Work on it. Play Call of Duty. Just play Call of Duty like what all the kids do now. Become <laughs> a radio <laughs> host. On it. Address it. Yeah. Talk into a microphone. It helps. Do something yeah. else besides, you know. Well, don't, don't spread your hate into microphones either because it turns out there's a lot of morons out there. They weaponize you way too seriously. It is really well, all right, everyone. Just when you thought the era of American violence was something fresh, hip, and new, turns out it's the old as the old grand old flag itself. Yep, it so really that's, is. So uh, that's not reassuring at all. And are you mighty... I'm mighty proud of that ragged old flag. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we all got to take a good hard look at it and say, I'm going to, you did bad today, flag. Um, but ne uh, November 18th, 19th, we're coming to Grand Rapids in Indianapolis. But because Marcus Parks really is suffering from his long COVID thing, we want him to be healthy. We're, yes. Kissel and I are going to be moved, you're going to be doing the show just boys. Just, right, just the two, boys. two little boys are doing these shows. We want you to know up front, but we're going to be bringing some special guests because it takes more than one person to replace Marcus Parks. Oh. But it's going to be the same exact. We're going to have fun. We're going to do we're the thing. Have have they're, going to do, they're going to do great. They're going to do fucking. Yes. You guys are going to fucking kill it. Thanks to everyone for being patient about it and being, a, and being understanding about, you know, me taking care of myself yes. and you've taking been, care of my health. And, you've and been and working so hard. I got, to put and, a, I got to put a pause on live performance for a little while. Yes, because Europe was really, really difficult. We had a lot of fun, but by the right. end, we were all wiped out. But now we're back into pocket. Thank you guys mm -hmm. for being fucking cool. And uh, next week, yes. we're getting to some. We're getting back to our roots. Absolutely, I'm very we're gonna get so we're gonna doing some interesting stuff about and then involving some of our favorite characters mm -hmm. of all time. Oh, oh yeah. fantastic! And of course, we'll be covering. Ooh, what was an old TV show? Happy Days. That, mm -hmm. uh, that fantastic We're covering Fonzie. the show Happy Days. We're going to yep. cover Fonzie. <laughs> what did he do? And why was he in his 40s and hanging out in high school? All right, everyone. If you aren't feeling well out there, hang in there, please. And uh, just keep on doing the best you can. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. We can't wait to see you on the road. And again, thanks for supporting the show so much all over the network. We Hail love yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail Yeen. Oh, really nailed that Ooh, one. Hey, again. 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 Won't you spare a hell me? Won't oh. you? Please spare, spare hell me for the soil. That's nice. That's nice. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.